0: Outstanding music, amen. Ah, I love what I'm hearing. I love the music. I'm lifted up uh, every time I hear it, and I'm enjoying the hymns. And I've got to get that hymn book. I can't afford it, so I'm going to shoplift one before I get out of here. <laughs> but I really, uh, really am enjoying that. I had a wonderful time uh, with Brother Dan, Daniel Van Geldern for lunch today, and. He's a great guy, and, and uh, just a lot of wonderful people here. Throw out the lifeline. I love doing that more than I love doing almost anything in the world. Wonderful song. Let's take our Bibles and let's stand together, and uh, let's turn in this evening to Psalm chapter 51, Psalm chapter 51. How many of you haven't missed a service yet? How many haven't missed a service yet because you're a student here and you can't miss a service? (laughs) But you guys want to be here anyway, right? Amen. Amen. And how many of you church members have not missed a service yet? Okay, how many missed one, but you had to, you'd have been here if you could have. All right, good. All right, and then others of you, this is your first night here. It's really glad to have you and uh, be in the word of God. More importantly, how many would say God's done something good in your life through the meeting so far? Would you lift a hand to the Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's look at Psalm chapter 51 this evening and begin reading at verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy lovingkindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Behold. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts and the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, We thank you for every scripture we have, and we thank you for Psalm 51. And we pray, Lord, you use it in each of our lives tonight. Each of our lives. In Christ's name we pray, Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I was at a camp preaching and a teenager came to me and um, I had known him for many years. He was a good young man in my estimation. And he said to me, Brother Peltier, I need to talk to you. You don't really know me. I said, I know you. You're at this camp every summer. I do the Dum Dum song every summer. You know, you know it real well. And he's there every summer. He said, well, yeah, I'm here and we talk, but you don't really know me. He said, I'm a preacher's son. I said, oh, I didn't know that. So I did not know that about him. And then he said, and what you don't know is that I haven't been right with God for the last three years. I said, okay, what's going on? He said, well, it all started when I got away from God. I got a little bit in sin and listened to music I shouldn't have really listened to. And when people say that doesn't affect you, they're wrong. It does. And then it opened the door to other things And before long, he said, I started sneaking behind my parents' back doing things I shouldn't have done. And he was a preacher's kid. And maybe it wasn't as bad as what others, in estimation of others, might have been doing, but he was doing stuff. But then he said, I opened up the door and I got into cigarette smoking with some of the cool crowd. And then I got into drinking with the cool crowd. And then he said, Mike, I actually took a drug. But then I got addicted to a harder drug. And then a harder drug. And before long, I was a drug addict. And I had a way of hiding it all. And he said, I actually hid it from my parents. They never figured it out. They still don't know. And then he said, my habit was so bad and so expensive that the only way I could pay for it was I had to deal drugs myself. And isn't it amazing how he still, still successfully covered it up. And he said, I hear preaching. It hits me up and down. He said, I get convicted. I don't get right. And he said, I'm all messed up. And he said, I don't know how to get going and what to do to get out of this. And so I talked to him about Psalm chapter 51. And in Psalm chapter 51, he heard how to get out of it. And so I'm going to look at this passage tonight because there's not one of us that cannot get out of failure and sin. We sometimes have a hard time getting out of it. You know, I used to think it was fun to trip people. Um, people would walk by. And I was fourth grade. My leg would instinctively go out and they would go down. i go, ah, 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 But then one day, Miss Miller walked by the teacher and my foot instinctively went out and she went down and I was not going, ah, 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 ah. Miss Miller looked at me and she said, young man, come here and pick me up. And I was cured from my brain damage there. From that. Now, we might think it'd be fun to trip people, but it isn't any fun to fall. And the devil's having a wonderful time tripping up Christians, and it's no fun to fall. But when we fall, we've got to learn to get back up. And so I helped this young man, and he's responded well, and I hope that he is still doing well. Now, I'm going to talk about, from Psalm 51, reasons we have a hard time getting back up. But we can get up. Now, the first reason, and there are five of them, somebody says, well, that's a bad idea. This will be a long sermon. Well, I hope it won't be two. All right? I don't want to preach too long. But yet, we need some things. And as we tell you five outline points, you could say, okay, one down, four to go, two down, three to go. Hope he picks up the pace and all that stuff. But the theology, or the things that we'll be looking at, I hope will be helpful to us all. Now, the first reason that people fall and have a hard time getting back up, we might say, is they get discouraged by their character. In other words, they say, How could I have ever done this? Have you ever looked at yourself and think you should know better and then you did something you shouldn't have done? Well, here's David, who is a man after God's own heart, and he committed adultery. I'm not excusing it. But I'm telling you, that's pretty discouraging. When you're a man who thinks that you love God and then you do something so bad as David did. And maybe you did not do something like that, but you get discouraged by your character. Now, as he's praying, he was discouraged evidently. And notice how he expressed a little bit of that discouragement to the Lord. Verse five, he said, behold, look at me, God, Look at me. I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. And what he is saying is, there's something evil inside of me. I don't like it, but it's there. Now, what he was referring to is, I was born with this tendency to be drawn to do the wrong thing. And often it's been described as the sin nature. Oliver B. Green said the sin nature is like the root of the tree. The sinful act is the fruit of the tree. And in any time we're in the right conditions and our guard is down, we could bear an act or a fruit of sin. But the sin nature is in every human being that is born. In the Bible, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Now, I want you to notice who wrote that who God used to pen it. It was the apostle John. What was he called in another place? The apostle of what? Love. And the one that was dear to Jesus. Now, I want you to notice the pronoun that Jesus used. He said, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all righteousness." Now, notice he didn't say, if you confess your sin, you deep, wicked, ungodly, scum, low life. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin, you wicked, ungodly, undedicated, half-hearted Christian, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He included himself in this. He said, if we confess our sin, and where I'm not belittling sin, I'm saying the devil doesn't care how you get you out of the saddle or keeps you out of the saddle as long as he keeps you out and gets you out. And sometimes it's discouragement over the sin that we've done. And even the Apostle John included himself as someone who needed to confess sin. If we confess our sin. I remember being in a church and the pastor's sin was bad. Did something. Pastor's son was bad. He did something. In fact, I think it might have been Brother Daniel. But anyway, we were in the pastor's house and the pastor's son had done something bad. And so the pastor had to give him a spanking. I personally thought he should have gotten a spanking. But when he came out after that spanking I never will forget that little boy's reaction he was so embarrassed that he had sinned in front of the evangelists, and they had done maybe what he did that he said, "I'm a jerk." And then I heard him as he walked the base of the steps, "I'm a jerk." And then he went up the steps and I heard him throw himself on his bed going, I'm a jerk, I'm a jerk, I'm a jerk. And there are times when I've literally felt like that boy. When I'm somebody who's supposed to get my act together and then I have some issue and I have an issue or something. And I think you are somebody you should know better and you feel like a jerk. But I'm not excluding, excusing our sin, but what I am saying is that we cannot be overrun by the fact that we would fall. Because the Bible says that even the apostle John fell. And the issue is you have to be careful not to get so discouraged that you don't shake it off and get up and get going again. So sometimes we get discouraged by our character. We do what we do, not necessarily because we're God haters, but we do what we do because we have a sin nature or flesh and we let it take control. Not excusing it, but don't be overwhelmed by it and let's get up and get going again, amen? So if you're here and you are discouraged by what you did and you think, how could I have ever done it? I am a loser, I'm a loser and you try to put on this face, I'm happy, but you know, on your side, inside you, you're thinking, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm not like these good people. Listen, don't worry about that in itself. What you need to do is just get up and get going again. All right, sometimes people have a hard time getting back up though, number two, because they're deceitful about their conduct. In other words, I didn't do anything wrong or I didn't do anything that bad. Now, in 2 Samuel 11, verse 2 through 4, it says, It came to pass in an evening tide that David rose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And he sent messengers and inquired of the woman and found that she was the daughter of of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. He sent messengers and took her. She came into Mila with her. And then after that was done, she returned to her house. Now, David was involved in adultery. But what was his response? It was to cover his sin. And when he tried to cover his sin, he then had Uriah murdered. And what was the result of that? He again covered his sin. He married Bathsheba. Everybody thought, what a dedicated king, taking care of his soldier's widow. What a good man. And everything looked good. But then the prophet came and he said, God knows what you did. And he was trying to cover his sin. Now, why is it foolish for us to hide our sin? Number one, because we can't hide our sin. We can't hide our sin from God. Genesis 6, 5. It says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Psalms 11 and verse four, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. Job 34, 21 and 22, for his eyes are open upon the ways of men and he seeth all his goings, everything that he does. And get this, There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. If you're inside a hotel room, I'm staying in a hotel room this week. If you're inside of a hotel room and there's a dirty television program or a dirty channel, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. If you're in a secluded highway, where nobody is watching with your date and nobody saw what you did with your date, the eyes of God were there. If you have something that went on inside, the inside of a bedroom, and mom and dad and others were on the outside of the bedroom, and nobody saw, God saw, and why is it foolish to hide your sin and act like it did never happen? Because God already saw it. And God already knows it. And he knows everybody in this room who's got some secret sin. And then it's absolutely foolish to try to hide it because you can't hide it from yourself. Now in verse eight, he says, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Now did God break his bones? No, not literally, but the guilt that he felt that he knew what he had done was as if his bones were broken. And he was saying, this is painful. This is painful. And he could not hide it from his own conscience. Now, in the Bible in Psalms 32, you have a parallel passage. Just flip over there, but keep your hand here in Psalm 51. And you see what happened when David said he was adulterer and he was a murderer, but he covered it up and he kept silence. He didn't admit it. He didn't confess it. He didn't deal with it. He didn't own it. He just covered it. He had it all covered. Nobody would ever find out but God and himself. But notice what was happening inside his heart when he thought, well, nobody really knows but God and myself." Here's what was going on inside of himself. In verse 3, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day and night. Day and night. Thy hand was heavy upon me. Conviction, conviction. Moisture was turned to the drought of summer. The freshness in my walk with God and the freshness, freshness to my life was dried up like a drought. And then he says, I acknowledged my sin, my iniquity and I hid and I said I will confess my transgression and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin but why was it foolish to hide it because he couldn't hide it from God? And will we all agree with that? Does God know every one of us in this room? Does he see even our hearts in this room? And is it true that he saw everything that you did this week, this summer, and that I did this week and I did this summer? Absolutely. Now, he's not looking with the judgmental, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, but he is saying, and I am hurt because of you, I am hurt because of you, I hate what you've done, I can't have fellowship with you. When he knows you've got sin, he sees it, that's a problem. But also, you cannot hide it from yourself and the guilt. It's like one person said, God does the Chinese water torture on your foreheads. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Why are you doing? What are you doing? And the guilt can drive you to dryness, heaviness, pain, and a drought. Now, it's foolish to hide our sin because we can't hide our sin from God. We can't hide it from ourselves. But here's another reason it's foolish. Because the only way to get right with God and get restored relationship with God is we have to confess our sin. That's the only way to get right with God. Now, somebody says, well, I'm going to get right with God. How are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to do so many good things, then God's going to forgive me and let me go to heaven because I do so many good things. Now, we know that the Bible says you do not get to heaven by doing good things. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, faith in Jesus, not yourself, not what you do, how hard you work, what you sacrifice. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. And it says it's the gift of God in three words, so there's no confusion is the way to get to heaven. It says not of works. Now, you know that you don't get to heaven by your good deeds and you don't make things right with God by doing good deeds. And why would you think that as a Christian, because you do some good things, that that will get rid of the bad things that you've done. That if you do enough good things, you'll start feeling good about yourself and your relationship with God will be good again. You never got right with God in the first place because of your good deeds, and you're not going to maintain being right with God just because you do good deeds. There has to be holiness, and the only way to get clean from that is you have to confess your sin. Now what is Bible confession? All right, first, it is you admit the sin. Psalm 32 and verse 5, I acknowledge my transgression, my iniquity have I not hid. So he acknowledged it, Psalms 32 and verse 1, verse 5. Now admitting the sin, 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sin, what is the idea of confessing? Confessing is to see as another one sees. Now, I have an illustration I often use. I have my Bible, which happens to be pretty good that it happens to have two colors to it because it makes a good illustration. Now, on this side, we have a color, and on this side, we have a color. On this side, I want everybody to tell me what color you see. Ready? Let's go. Black, okay, on this side, I want everybody to tell me what color you see. Ready, go. Red. Let's try that again. Red. Okay, I believe that I heard a few different colors first, and then you guys gave in the cave press, caved into peer pressure and you changed your mind. But how many of you said red? Would you raise your hand? But how many of you said a different color? How many said burgundy? How many said maroon? How many said green? You're colorblind. But the question is, is maroon the same color as burgundy? It might be close, but it's not exact. Is maroon the exact color of red? It's close, but it's not exact. And what God is saying is that we have to hold up our sin and start by seeing it just as God sees it. Now, what is sin? Anytime God says, don't, and we do. Thou shalt not lie, you lied, you sinned. It's a big deal. Anytime God says don't and we do, what is sin? Anytime God says do and we don't, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What is sin? There can be sins of the flesh, but there can be sins of the spirit. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall ascend into his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart with not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. There are things we can do with our hands that would be sin. And some of you may have done that. We don't hate you. God doesn't hate you. But you have to start by acknowledging it's sin. If these hands did things they should not have done, it's sin, sins of the flesh. But then there are sins of the spirit. If that would be bitterness, that would be anger, that would be pride, that would be selfishness, that could be scorn, that could be in the spirit of just being a little blasphemous. There are things that you can say with your mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And there's so many different ways that we can sin. Now, the first thing we have to do is admit the sin. And I think in that admitting it, seeing it as God sees it. All right, now take your Bibles, and I want you to turn over to Psalms 32, and I want you to see the sins as God sees them in a kind of an interesting um, series of words. Psalms 32, there are four words right here that we typically think of and we just breeze over them and we think, well, yeah, the sin, the sin, the sin, the sin, but the words are not the same and the meanings are a little different. I notice, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. There's a word, transgression. And then he says, whose sin is covered. There's another word. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. A different word, why? If he's talking about adultery and murder, why didn't he say that? Why did he say iniquity? Why didn't he say adultery? Why didn't he say murder? Why did he say iniquity? He did, but why? And then he says, in whose spirit there is no guile. Why don't you choose that word? All right, the words are different and they talk about the types of sin, I think maybe even from God's perspective, how he sees what we have done. All right, first, the word transgression. It means to revolt against, it means to rebel. Now, you know what he did? He didn't say, God, I sinned. He said, God, I revolted against you. I rebelled against you. Now, it's a little different when somebody just kind of slips a little bit than when somebody rebels. Hey, what would have happened when I was growing up if my mom would have said, Mike, take out the trash, and I said, no. You know what would have happened? With that rebellion, I'd have been put in the bedroom, bent over, and I would have a little pain put in the back well-padded place that God provided, and it would register up here, don't you be a rebel boy. And the rebellion was a serious thing when I was growing up. And have you ever considered that when you said what you said or you looked at what you looked at and you knew it was wrong, that you literally were in rebellion against God? And what I'm saying is, feel it. Try to feel it. Try to own it. Don't be discouraged by your character, but don't be deceitful about the problem. You didn't just s- slip. You were in rebellion and re- revulsion, revolting against God. Transgression is the idea of trespassing, it's the idea of going where you're not to go. And that's what you did. Now, then there's the word sin. Now, the sin is the act. He said, I committed the act of sin. But as you study it, this is what I found interesting. When I was reading one commentator, he said, it's the idea often of habitual sin, habitual sin. Now, why is it that some people don't get up? Because they are deceitful. You know what they're saying? Yes, I slip up once in a while. Most of the time I do pretty good. I just slip up once in a while. And if you look at it and say, okay, let's keep a track record of when you slipped up. Well, two weeks ago. But I haven't done that in two weeks. All right, and when was the one before that? Well, that was three days earlier, but I wasn't doing bad for three days. And then when was that before? Well, I did that about five days before that. And then what? Well, a week before that. And you know what you may find? If you get honest about yourself, you may not think of what you're doing as that serious, but what sinful acts you are doing are often very habitual, And when you feel the weight of it, it makes it kind of something you want to get rid of. So then there is the word iniquity. Now, the word iniquity, what I read, means morally distorted in character. Morally distorted in character. Now, the best definition, I think, in the Bible for what sin really is is To help us understand what sin is, is Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the what? Glory Glory of God. Now, that verse is something that we can use to tell every person, good, bad, religious, not religious, every person on planet Earth, that all have sinned, even them. The first step to getting things right with God is to admit that we sinned but it also tells us what sin is. It's anytime our character is sort of God's character. For instance, why is it wrong to hate? Because God is what? Love. Why is it wrong to lie? Because God cannot lie. Why is it wrong to be bitter? Because God is forgiving. Why is it wrong to be impure in the first place? Because God is holy. And why is it wrong to be unkind? Because God is always kind. And why is it wrong to not forgive? Because God always forgives when we confess our sin. And anytime our character is different than God's, it would be sin. And so he uses iniquity. Lord, my morally distorted character. Now, when we think about what we do, we think we slip up a little bit, but I. Putting it together, think about this. David is saying, Lord, blessed is he whose rebellion is forgiven, whose constant choosing to rebel in a constant fashion, a habitual form, that was me, he was saying, is forgiven. And then he says, iniquity with a morally distorted, twisted character we think of the child molester as the morally distorted, twisted character. But David was saying, blessed is me who sinned, habitual sin, me who was habitual, horrible rebellion, me who had the morally distorted, twisted character who was forgiven. And what I'm thinking is if we would see our sin, as God sees it, rebellion against God, as God sees it, habitual. This is a habit. It's been there a long time. And as God sees it, morally twisted. And you know, I don't mean to be crude, But I'm telling you, if we could have a video camera and you could catch yourself, I wonder if you would think it was morally twisted. And you know, friend, the Bible teaches that before we can ever be forgiven and we can be forgiven. That's what Psalm 51 is all about, getting back up. We have to not be deceitful about our conduct. We have to admit what we've done is wrong. And why, because the only way to get right with God is to admit it, so don't be deceitful. Now first, discouraged discouraged by our character, deceitful about our conduct. Number three, devaluing confession, devaluing confession. All right, look at verse one of chapter 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. He's talking about himself whose sin is covered, he's talking about himself. Blessed, happy is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. God's not holding me accountable for that sin anymore, and I'm so happy he's not. And then he says, why? In verse 5, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. He said, you forgave me. Now, why? Because I confessed it. That's all. He didn't say because I went and sacrificed and I started doing good. He didn't say I put money in the offering. He didn't say because I surrendered to be a preacher boy. He said I confessed it and you forgave it. Now, a lot of us struggle and get defeated. Don't get up because we devalue confession. And what I mean by that is we say I got it right with God. I asked him to forgive me, but I don't really think he really forgave me. Ah, It's going to be a long time before he'll really forgive me. Now, I can remember when I talked to this young teenager and he said, I'm a preacher, son, he was all these sins and he had prayed and he'd asked God to forgive him. When it was done, I said, do you think he forgave you? And at first he said, well, no, I was doing this for so long. It's gonna be a long time before God forgives me. But I said, wait a minute. The moment that you confess your sin, God says he forgives it and he's faithful to forgive you. Now, I think I might've said something about this. I think I got ahead of myself And uh, so let me just kind of bring us back to this idea. In order for us to be forgiven, we've got to confess our sin. And I think I mentioned there are three steps to Bible confession. All right, now first, it is you admit the sin. I acknowledge my transgression. You have to admit you're a sinner before you can ever be saved. You cannot get to heaven until you acknowledge and admit that it doesn't matter what you do, how religious you are, what sacrifices you make, your good deeds are not gonna get you to heaven. You have to admit you're a sinner who is, is, is worthy of going to hell. But as a Christian, you have to also acknowledge that you've sinned before you can get things restored. So hey, do you need to admit that you have done some sin? Are you hiding a sin? Admit it. Now to who do you need to admit it? You need to admit it to God. You need to admit it to anybody and everyone else who is involved or knows about it. I went to your dean of men. I said, what happens if somebody actually comes to you and they do tell you some heinous thing or some sin that they did? And it was a serious sin. I said, do you kick them out? What do you do? He says, you know, we help them. We don't even talk about the merits. We help them. And there might be some consequence, but by the time they understand the help that they get when they get clean, they don't care about the consequence. They're just glad to be right with God. And I said, so what do you do? And he says, well, our general rule is that if we think someone has a right to know about it, we tell them. And you know what? If somebody has a right to know about it, just admit it and let them know about it. Because the first step to getting things right with God is we have to admit our sin. Does that sound like what the Bible is saying? Can we hide our sin? Can we keep silent without having our moisture turn to the drought of summer? Can we keep silent without God breaking our bones emotionally? Can we keep silent? without the hand of God being honest day and night, heavy. Who's gonna find out? Who's gonna find out? Does God really forgive me? Is it all taken care of? How are you gonna do that without admitting it? So do yourself a favor and admit it. Number two, we abandon it. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy, and he will abundantly pardon. But the third step is, I think, very important in Bible confession. You have to accept the forgiveness. You have to accept the forgiveness. Now, the only way that somebody can get to heaven is they have to admit that they're a sinner. Romans 3.23, all the sin and control of the glory of God. And then they have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Not work for it, but call. And how? In faith in faith that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago will save them from their sins today. And you know what's part of that? Faith is accepting the forgiveness. You have to believe that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago will save you from your sin, that what he did will take care of it. And until you accept that that is enough, you can never have forgiveness of sin. But then as a Christian, until you accept that this is enough for you. You can never feel and restore fellowship with God again. You've got to accept that he forgives you. And sometimes people are crippled and they are held back because they don't believe that God forgave them. All right, now first of all, what is our getting right with God based on? All right, turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 51, And I want you to see this getting right with God. What is it based on? In Psalm 51 and verse 1, David said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to the fact that I've done really, 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 really good these two weeks. No. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to the fact that I'm really, 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 really sorry this time. No. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to the fact that I sacrificed in this way and I was dedicated in that way and I served in that way and I read my Bible an hour and I prayed for this amount of time. Have mercy upon me according to what I have done. No. Notice what he says. And, of course, I'm trying to overemphasize it, but don't miss it. Don't miss it. It says, have mercy upon me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He didn't say, have mercy upon me according to my good deeds and the way that I'm doing better. He said, according to the fact that you have a multitude of tender mercies, blot up my sins, according to your loving kindness. And he's basically saying, according to your character and who you are, you're just a forgiving God who requires a payment, Jesus made that payment, you are just, your character is satisfied, but you are the kind of God who forgives. And he didn't say, have mercy on me according to the fact that I'm really doing better. You and I have to understand, confession is enough. Confess it, and on the basis of who God is, not on the basis of who you are, He will forgive. Done. And don't let the devil beat you and get you out of the saddle by telling you that confessing your sin isn't enough. God's going to have to really watch a while to see if you really, 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 really mean it. And if you do better, listen. God's going to have to look at me and watch me a while before he likes me again. Romans 5, Romans says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God loved us when we were sinners and he definitely didn't stop loving us as Christians when we sinned. It broke our fellowship with God, but we can be restored because God forgives. Now, how many sins do you think that God has forgiven people of in history? Billions and billions and billions. How many people that looked at pornography had been forgiven throughout history? I'm not making light of sin. I am telling you it is revolting, rebellion and nauseating to God. It is twisted. You were part of morally twisted character. The word transgression, revolt can mean revolting. I have a dog, a little puppy dog. I love my puppy dog. And sometimes, as much as I love my puppy dog, I've seen my puppy dog do the things that dogs do. When it throws up, it eats its own. Mm Mm-hmm. And I go, ugh. And though I love my puppy dog, it's pretty revolting what he does. And it's pretty disgusting and I think sometimes God though he looks at us he loves us he sees us as doing morally disgusting revolting habitually and in rebellion in his morally twisted character and yes it's horrible to him but he will forgive according to his tender mercy and I'm not making light of it but I think I just almost hit it so hard you're not going to believe me now He'll forgive it, even that, amen? So think about what you've done. You've got to get back up, and you're not gonna get up if you just get discouraged by it. You're not gonna get up if you're deceitful by it, and you're not gonna get up until you value confession. He's forgiven many sins, and the Bible says he forgives forgive our sins, and he says, Moses, pardon I beseech the iniquity of this people as thou hast from the days of Egypt until now. Numbers 14, 19, how many sins has God forgiven people of since the days of Egypt till now, billions and billions, and he's got enough forgiveness to forgive us today? So we can take it and get restored. All right, now, some and I've gotta be quick with two more. Discouraged by the consequences. All right, some people have a hard time getting back up. Don't get bored, focus. God wants to help you. Discouraged by your character. You're not a God hater. You've got a sin nature and you let it take control. Deceitful about your conduct. I didn't do anything wrong. Or I'm such a good person, I'll get to heaven on my own. No, don't you be deceitful and deceive yourself. You'll not get to heaven on your own and you won't be right with God by your deeds. And also you can deceive yourself by hiding sin and trying to be deceitful to others. Admit it. Admit it. The only way to get right with God is to confess it. The Third thing is devaluing confession. What is confession? Admit the sin. Abandon the sin. Stop. Stop. And then accept the forgiveness and go on. And some might need to be here tonight and say, okay, God, I'm going to accept that you forgave me. Thank you. And go on. Now, the fourth is discouraged by the consequences. Now, when David went into sin, the prophet came in 2 Samuel chapter 12, told the story about the man who was wealthy, and he stole the neighbor's sheep, even though he had several of his own, he killed the neighbor's sheep for a visitor who was coming, and he ate up the poor man's sheep, and David was so angry, he said, how could he have done that? And the prophet said, thou art the man. And then he said, because you've done this, the child that is born from this bad relationship will die. David gets on his knees and he prays and he weeps and he asks God to heal the baby and not kill the baby, but the baby dies. And they think David's gonna fall apart because the baby died. Wow, what a consequence. I know it was painful when the baby died, but I also know this, David got up, washed his face, ate, and says, blessed is the Lord, he did what was right, and he went on and lived for God. And why? Here's the reason. Because sometimes there might be some consequences if you get your sin right with God. There might be some consequences. But the reason that David could get on and go on, get this, don't miss this, because I don't have a lot of time to say it. When he got it right with God, he had some secondary consequences. The child died. But the primary consequence of his sin was removed. And what was the primary consequence of his sin? the same consequence of any man's sin. Your iniquity separates between you and your God. And we can do better without anything than we can without our fellowship with God. That's not just talking. That's life. And so there may be a secondary consequence if you get right with God that you're afraid of. But I'm going to tell you, don't worry. Because if you get the secondary consequence, no big deal if you got the number one consequence removed. You'll do fine. And it'll build you. And understand that God is not chastening whom he's mad at. God chastens whom he what? Loves. And he is not going to chasten you to destroy you. And if there's a secondary consequence that you may not like or may be afraid of, Just remember, God chastens in love and you can trust him. David went through this when he numbered the people and he was supposed to have a consequence and God sent an angel and said, David, what do you want? You can have this from your enemies, you can have these many months of pestilence or you can have three days with the hand of God chastening you and David said, give me three days of God's hand. Why? Because God is merciful and he's never gonna give me more than I can handle. And that's how you need to approach it when you have failed. Take any secondary consequence so that you can remove the primary consequence. Get your fellowship with God. Amen? Is that okay to ask amen on that? Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. That's a beautiful word. Blessed is he whose sin is forgiven. Happy is he. And that's what you need. Now the last one, turn back to Psalm chapter 51. And in Psalm chapter 51, we have the fifth one. It helps to just think about it and write it down. If you haven't written it down, if you want to, just remember some of these things. See if they apply to you. Are you discouraged by your character? You got a sin nature. Get back up and get going again. Don't stay down. John had a sin nature, even the Apostle John. Are you being deceitful about your conduct? Well, that's kind of foolish. Hey, you might as well put F-O-O-L on your forehead. Why? Because you can't hide your sin. Who are you kidding? You think about it all the time and the only way to get right with God is to admit it and confess it. Devaluing confession, that's not going to priests, that's going to God. And then, discouraged by our character, uh, discouraged by our consequences, the number one consequence of our sin is when we break our fellowship with God. There was a young man who came to me and he said, I had a problem with pornography pastor and I said well you'll never get over it until you start caring about the number one consequence for that sin so I said what's the worst thing that'll happen if you don't stop doing it he said I'm going to get caught I said that's probably true but I can think of something worse he said you're right I could end up becoming a pervert and if I look at the wrong things I'll end up doing the wrong things I said, it's true, what you look at influences what you do, that happened to David. But I can think of something worse. He says, you're right. I can end up being a pervert, commit a crime because I become such a distorted person. He didn't use that word, but he was given that idea. He said that I might commit a crime and I could end up in jail for the rest of my life because I fed on this, I did wrong things, crimes. I said, that's possible, but I can think of something worse. And finally he said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. God could kill me. I said, there is a sin unto death. And that could happen but I can think of something worse. And that's when he said, Brother Mike, what do you mean? I'm a Christian. I can't go to hell, can I? I've asked Jesus to save me. I won't go to hell, will I? And I said, no. But every time you sin, your greatest consequence is you break your fellowship with God. And when we think about getting right with God so that we don't get caught, don't become a bad person, or don't have to get kicked out of school, or don't have this or that, we'll still sin because we'll figure it out. We're smart enough. We can deceive everybody. But when we get consumed with not wanting to break our fellowship with God, that's when we confess it because I want fellowship more than I want my face, my pride. That's when we, we turn from it, when we genuinely want fellowship with God. And here's the last one. It is debate about your future. Debate about your future. Now, this young man said when he got right with God, And then he had said a preacher's son got into drugs drinking. I was deceiving everybody, my parents and all of that. I like the fact, I hope I'm not, uh, well, I like the fact that what they challenge you to do here is get right with your parents. I like that fact. Why? As I like the way they talk with this terminology around here, unload the truck. I like that. Why? Because when you unload it, and you pray, God, I don't want two or three pieces of dirt left in my truck. I want it all dumped out. That's when you have confidence with God. But anyway, he said, I got this right with God. I said, do you feel like you're right with God now? And he finally said, yes, thank you. And then he got all happy and he said this. He said, you know, I used to think that maybe I'd be a preacher or something. And I used to think, man, I wanna be a preacher. And then he said, but I guess I'd never be a preacher now. I said, really, why? He said, oh, I've sinned so much, God will never use me as a preacher. I've kind of ruined it for the rest of my life. And I said, though I don't mean to make some sins worse than others. I said, have you ever been divorced? He said, no, I've never been married. And divorce is not the sin that keeps you from serving God. There are a thousand, thousand places to serve God just won't be in a pulpit. Lots of other places. So he said, hey, I guess I will never serve God after all I did. I said, wait a minute. Look at Psalm 51, and this is what I showed him, and I'm going to show you. All right, Psalm 51, I took him to verse 13, but let's have a little fun on the way, a little bit of drink of water, a little bit of refreshing air, a little bit of hope here. I want you to look at Psalm 51 and back up to verse 8. Uh, 7 Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Not might be. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. It's going to happen if you wash me, Lord. Wash me. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Bring my joy back, God. Hide thy face from my sin. Blot out all my iniquity. And then, you ever feel bad inside? He says, create in me a clean heart. We know a right spirit in me. You ever feel like your spirit just gets off a little bit, the joy's gone? You can get it renewed. excuse me, <laughs> renewed. Now look at verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me thy free spirit. Now notice verse 13. He says, then... Then, after adultery, after murder, and after getting right with God, after adultery, after morally distorted, twisted character, after my habitual sin that you saw over and over and over, after my just flat rebellion against you, and I knew better, I just rebelled and did it. I'll teach sinners your way, and sinners will be converted unto you. And you know what he's saying? Even after I've sinned, Thank the Lord, you can still use me if I get right with you. So that's a blessing. Let's bow our heads. Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening, I wonder how many of you would say, Brother Mike, I may not be everything that I should be, but I do know this. If I were to die, I would go to heaven and I can give you a Bible reason why I know that I'm on my way to heaven. If you would say this, Now think, don't be a liar and raise it if you cannot raise your hand. Don't be a liar and raise it if you don't have a Bible reason. I didn't say a Baptist reason, I said a Bible reason. Now how many of you would say, Brother Mike, I may not be everything I should be, but I am 100%, not 90%, not 75%, not 50%, I'm 100% confident that I am on my way to heaven and I have a Bible reason to prove it. Now, if you can say that, would you lift up your hand if you have a Bible reason why you know that you are on your way to heaven, all right? Thank you, you can put your hands down. Now, I saw some of you that didn't raise your hand. Listen, if you could not raise your hand because you don't know you're going to heaven, the Bible teaches that if you will admit your sin is not okay if you will admit that you are guilty of sin that is worthy of punishment by lake of fire, if you will acknowledge you're a sinner and you are on your way to hell and you need help, then you can get it. How? You come to God and you ask him to forgive you and you put your faith in him that he will by what he did on that cross. Now, with our heads bowed, is there anybody here to say, Brother Mike, I don't know I'm going to heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell, and I have no problem admitting my sin is horrible, and I do not know I'm going to heaven, and I want help. All right, if that's you, would you be kind enough just to slip up your hand? I'll see it, and remember in your prayer, in a prayer, I won't say your name where you're sitting. I won't force you to do something you don't want to do. I'll pray for you. So is there anybody, I don't know I'm going to heaven, but I and willing to admit it and I want help, just slip up the hand right where you're sitting and put it right back down. I'll see it and remember you in prayer. I'll just pray for you. Anybody like that, I don't know I'm going to heaven, but I know I'm a sinner and I'm on my way to hell unless I get forgiveness. Anybody at all. Okay, now, how many of you would say, Brother Mike then, I'm a Christian, but as a Christian, I have to admit that I am not right with the Lord in some things. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're a Christian and you are covering up some sin, you've got to get back up. And I wonder how many of you are in that situation and you would say, Brother Mike, God already knows it, so I might as well admit it. And I might as well admit it because I can't get right with God until I do and you'd say, Brother Mike, there's some sin I need to confess and get right with God. And it's time to quit hiding it. Would you just slip up the hand and be honest before God? If there is, just lift up the hand. There's some sin that I need to get right with God. God bless you and put it right back down. God bless you there, put it right back down. God bless you there, God bless you there. Put it right back down. God bless you over there, put it right back down. There's some sin in my life that I need to get right with God, I need to admit it. And just slip it up, anybody else Okay, okay. Now, as anybody here would say, Brother Mike, what hit me today, tonight, was that the number one consequence of my sin is that it breaks my fellowship with God. And I don't want anything to break my fellowship with God. And that helped me. I needed that. And I'm going to focus on it from that perspective. I don't want anything to break my fellowship with God And I've been trying to just not do things because I felt bad or I I wanted God to not be mad. I just don't want fellowship broken with God. And if that helps you, would you just slip up the hand and put it down and say, Lord, I want to seek fellowship with you more than I want that sin. I want you more than I want that sin that you struggle with sometimes. All right. Good, 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 good. I want you more than I want that sin. And then is there anybody who would say, and this is an important part, two more questions. Is there anybody who would say, Brother Mike, I've admitted sin. I've tried to turn from it, but the devil keeps reminding me, remember what you did, you big phony. Remember what you did. And I never really accepted that God forgave me. And I need to accept the forgiveness and enjoy it and go on. If you say that helped me, I need to accept forgiveness for something in the past that God already forgave me of and just believe it. If that's you, would you slip up your hand if you needed that one? I needed that one to accept that God forgave me so I could get up and go on. Amen. Amen. And some of you may feel like your future is tainted or hurt because of failure. Just remember after David's murder and adultery, that he still was used greatly and mightily by God. And God can greatly and mightily use you. David even penned scripture, you know that, after he went into sin. So God can use us after our failure, when we get things right and get up and get going again. Let's stand to our feet. And tonight, let's have a word of prayer first. Lord, we pray that at this invitation time, that there'll be some sincerity and searching our hearts that your hand would move through our hearts and convict us and point out any areas that are still between us and you and that Lord if there are any that are here that still need to confess some sin that they would if they need to confess it and the fact is they need to by sometimes going a little further than just on a knee they might need to go to the dean of men the dean of women they might need to go to a parent that they would so that they could get fellowship restored with God fully. And Lord, whatever needs to be done tonight, even those who just need to accept the forgiveness, that Lord, they would be encouraged that you forgive them. And even if they need to pray about that,